Hello and welcome to the Andrew Ferris Podcast. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. I have been on a kick thinking back to some of the stuff that's sort of right in maybe the center of my wheelhouse, which has been sort of the practicalities of growing an e-commerce business with advertising. And I've just been looking at brands that are doing this well, thinking about what is working for them, why it's working. And today I want to talk about one of the sort of underrated kinds of ad testing that you should be trying. And that I think is actually maybe both somehow the most expensive and the easiest kind of ad testing at the same time. I'm going to tell you what it is, why I think you should be building process for this into your e-commerce business, why I think it can be effective. Let's jump in. To be honest with you, this, this episode is really about more than just testing per se. It's really about thinking about how you can grow your business, how you can use different tools to acquire customers at scale. That's really what I want to talk about today. And to do that, I want to talk about it in terms of using Facebook ads as a mechanism for that. And using Facebook ads as a mechanism for growth, there's sort of some obvious things you think about right away, right? Which is like media buying and creative and landing pages and conversion optimization and blah, blah, blah. All the stuff that you've sort of heard and thought of a million times. But underneath the surface of that, there's something very obvious going on when you're running Facebook ads that you may not be thinking about that I think is really important to not only be conscious of, but to actually develop process to maximize in your business. And it's this, it's that your ads are tied to your products. And that is so obvious, right? There couldn't be anything more obvious in the world. But that means that your ability to generate new customer revenue to acquire customers for your business with Facebook ads is directly related to both how good, let's say both the quality and the quantity of your products. The more products you have, the more bullets you have to fire in terms of your Facebook ads. Now you can, of course, with a relatively small product set, do a lot of testing in a lot of different ways and speak to lots of different customers in lots of different ways. You can change creative, you can change angles, you can do all that stuff pretty endlessly. And some product sets, though relatively small, still have a very wide total addressable market. But one of the things people sort of underutilize or underrealize is that product A and product B, supported with the same exact creative, just with a different product than the creative, sometimes perform incredibly differently. So here's the basic idea, and then let me try to unpack it a little bit more so that just so that I don't lose you in this. That is this. When you launch new products in your business, you also launch new opportunities for customer acquisition. And I think when people think of product development, a lot of times they're thinking about retention a lot of times. They're thinking about sort of like, how do I tack on products that will make it so that I can sell more products to the customers I already have. And of course, that's real. That's a huge part of where product development plays in businesses. A lot of times, actually, the journey for brands is they, you know, they take that first, try to get to one to three to five million, maybe even to $10 million on the back of just like a couple of products. But at some point, you realize like you're sort of tapping out the available tools and efficiencies without having to do, you know, without having to add a revenue channel like Amazon or retail or, you know, wholesale or whatever, or drastically changing some things to go and sort of acquire your next set of customers. And in my, what I think here is that, so the next thing you do, if you're in that situation, a lot of times you, as you launch new products and try to sell them to your existing customers, and that's great. But what people underutilize, what people are under aware of is the way product launches also generate new customer revenue and the ability to scale a bunch of new customer revenue via ads. 
And there are some people, of course, who realize this and they've built it into their business and it's not an easy thing to do. But if you can generate new products, you can potentially speak to customers who were not interested in your old products but are interested in your new products. I can think of a lot of examples of this. But what I see happen very often is that brands launch new products with very little strategy of how those new products will end up playing into every single part of their revenue strategy and their growth strategy. So they'll launch them, like I said, with with this plan around, you know, maybe an email launch to people who haven't bought from you and to, to past customers, but they're not really thinking seriously about how do I immediately build ads for these products that then go and see what the potential scale is for customer acquisition with this product. Let me give you an example. This is actually an example. I have no idea how they've done this. I'm sure they've done this well. But I was thinking about this with Ridge, Ridge Wallets, okay? The Ridge, Sean Frank and his team. They're just killers. They're so good, right? Sean at one point posted a thread about on Twitter about you know the launch of the Ridge Watch and how it had gone. And that is awesome. And I am sure that they are doing great. And I bet a lot of past Ridge Wallet customers wanted a Ridge Watch and bought a Ridge Watch. And that's great. But one of the things that I think about right away And again, I'm I'm actually not speaking to Sean's situation in the specifics here at all because I have no idea what they did with this afterwards. But one of the possibilities for what they could then go and do with that watch, right, is to then run ads on a watch that may actually speak to a very different audience than their wallet ads ever did. And that's a really important thing, right? Because there are going to be some people who are not in the market for a new wallet. They are very happy with their wallet. Maybe they bought an FC Goods wallet and they like their baseball wallet and they're done with that, right? But they are in the market for a watch. Maybe they even like the Ridge brand and wish they could buy something from the Ridge brand, but they just haven't found the right product because they don't want the Ridge wallet for whatever reason, right? Ridge has sold a lot of wallets. And so there you go. So yes, of course, they sold the watch to their past wallet customers. But now as Ridge goes to market with their watch, they now can create a bunch of advertising around the watch and go try to speak to a a new set of customers or maybe even re-engage a set of customers who hasn't bought from them for a while and who's churned on their email list. And so they can also run past customer ads to speak to those people again, et cetera, right? You get the idea. Especially though on that new customer side, that product opens up an opportunity to speak to a whole bunch of people. Now, this is especially true and most obviously true in brands where the main value proposition is aesthetic, this becomes even easier on the ad side. What I mean is I'm thinking here of like apparel, I'm thinking of headwear, jewelry, just all kinds of different brands where the value proposition is aesthetic. It is remarkable. Phone cases, that was another one I saw recently. Phone cases was one where I thought, oh man, this is the same kind of idea. People are just buying it in part for the look. There are a lot of products like this where Every time you launch a new design of a product that people already know, right? Maybe they like how it fits or feels or works or whatever, but the main value is the aesthetic that you now have the opportunity to take that product and spin it into an ad and speak to a new set of customers. This is especially true when you add things like licensing or something, right? If you take your product and it's a blue version of your product, and then you add a Disney version of your product, people may or may not be interested in the blue product, but they very well may be interested in a Disney version of the product. And so now you've able, now you're able to speak to an audience of people who are interested in Disney and connect with them, etc. Or seasonal products, highly seasonal, like think about gift products, right? Like 
if you can launch a Halloween version of your product. Simple Modern did this with drinkware, right? Where they launched, they, they started to launch ugly Christmas sweater versions of their tumblers and things like that. They've started to launch and they, and they had some like ghost and skeleton stuff for Halloween. And some of those hit in this massive way. And there's no license or anything like that. It was just that people just are excited about the moment and they're excited about the season. And some people really like Halloween. So they really want to buy a, a you know, a cute tumbler with some ghosts on it. And now that product becomes a customer acquisition mechanism in a really important way for the business. And if you work this backwards, right, it means that in your product development and launch strategy, you now can and should be thinking about how to maximize this because here's the thing, this can be a tremendous way to generate serious upside in your business. They can generate serious upside because especially if you get really good at ads or something like that, you at some point just need new products to launch. And so it can be really, really effective. You can generate a bunch of money. In fact, it can be so good that smart businesses, some of some of the smartest businesses I've seen have built serious, really incredible process around this. The only example I could think of that was the most amazing to me of this, this is sort of the super wizard mode version of this is that ColourPop, which was one of the first nine-figure e-commerce brands, I, I think maybe the first nine-figure e-commerce brand I ever saw. I went, you know, I was, was with their team at one point, a bunch of years ago now. And ColourPop, makeup brand, if you don't know ColourPop, makeup brand. The way they had grown their business was that they had built their manufacturing basically right into their main facility in California. And so their manufacturing was happening like essentially down the hallway from their marketing team, at least some of it. And what they had developed the ability to do was to create and test new colors and basically variations of makeup products that were constantly changing, constantly releasing, launching them on their website all the time. And as they launched those, they would then figure out what the reaction was. They would launch them. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the full mechanism to how they did it, but if it was just email and they just extrapolated from there that it was popular or not. But basically as products, as they did this and as products hit, they had the ability to scale up their manufacturing so that when a product hit with their audience, they could scale the manufacturing and get it at and be manufacturing at enough scale to start like really running ads and really pushing on the product really hard within like, it was like within two weeks or something. It was an incredibly fast time. So they could then start doing that. So then their whole strategy for growth became to do exactly what I'm saying right now, but at real scale. They would just constantly launch and churn out new products, test them with their audience, test them on ads, I think, and then scale the winners, scale the winners, scale the winners. Just go, 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 go. It can be incredibly effective. So before I say the next point, if you are able to build into your supply chain something like this, this is where this becomes like the most incredible thing you can do because it's really, I mean, it's, this is just very, very hard. If you're manufacturing in China or something like that, there's just going to be a turnaround time on what you're doing, but you don't have to manufacture in China. There's other places to manufacture. And I know price and margin and all those things There's a trade-off with all this stuff for sure. Right. And by the way, one version of this, if you want to do this in some small way is I've seen some brands use laser engraving, depending on what the product is as a way to basically play this game. So they'll like laser engrave small runs of products rather than going and working with their manufacturer for it, testing those, see how they do. And then if it works and you know, laser engraving is not a, it's an easy way to do a very small MOQ, but it's not actually a good way to do this at scale most times. And so they, then you just like say, okay, did this work? Great. It worked. Now go do it at scale and go from there. And they would just kind of churn those things out. 
If you can do that, you could even theoretically see how your ads work. And as long as there's not a highly seasonal element of the product or the business or something, even if you do have to wait 90 days to get a bunch of product in stock and ready to ship, you could theoretically put a couple grand worth of money into ads, see how it plays, and then make at least an educated guess to see how this would work at scale. And that would be a product launch and testing strategy to see how that could go. So you could do sort of sort of similar versions of what ColourPop has done. Again, most of you, if, you, if you're not a $100 million business, it can be hard to develop right this this level of process and i mean for all i think they were venture backed or owned by kylie cosmetics or something like that i don't remember so they had probably the cash reserves to build this into their business in this really smart way but the concept still i think is really helpful to think about so that's the point if you start thinking that way about your business and about products then you start thinking about product development as this way of thinking about how do i then extend that not just for past customers but for new customer acquisition and this is the point if you are in an apparel setting or like i said in an aesthetic setting the next step of this on the ad side is to actually build this process through your product release schedule i mean if you're in an apparel brand and really for a lot of brands but if you're an apparel brand then you know that a huge part of the way you generate revenue is with two things product releases essentially new products launching to your audiences right new products launched to your audiences and sales and sales happen depending on your brand fairly often, not that often. Sometimes it's just clearance stuff, et cetera. There's all kinds of ways that sales work in the business. But those two things end up being really effective for you know creating sort of big moments of revenue in your in your calendar. Well, if you can turn that product release portion of this into this same strategy, then you can potentially do something very effective. And what that ends up doing is it creates opportunity to grow not only with your past customers but with new customers every time you release and so build it into your process build it into your approach what i mean is take your influencers send them new products every single time ask them for the same kinds of videos that work every single time photography get the same kind of photos that work every single time if you've got a new shirt and a certain photo of an old shirt worked get the same exact photo just with a new design that actually is a new and different kind of creative when you're in that category if the product is significantly different, even if it's basically the exact same creative type, you know, the same creative layout and format, it is functionally new creative if you can go and just sort of turn this out. So why not build a process so that every time you release a new product, it just goes through a series of steps and the assets get created and they get sent to your marketing team and the launch budget is the same and the cost cap is the same. And it's just like, boom, 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 down the line, every possible time you can, you go and you do that. And maybe what you figure out is that every time you launch something that's like super bright colored and really visually appealing, then people click on that and they buy a bunch of that and then it goes away. And so it's a short little rise. Maybe what you find is that people click the super bright colored thing and they go buy black and gray, you know, like who knows, who knows what the deal is, but whatever you find, then you just kind of keep building the process to repeat that as much as possible. Some of those products are not going to be winners. And so you just push them off. Some of those products really are going to be winners and you, and you launch and you create process and you keep them going and you scale accordingly. If you can build that into your business with your product strategy, then your product launch strategy isn't just a matter of sending an email to your past audience. It's a matter of doing something that can really scale your business by generating both returning and new customer revenue at some scale. This will also help your ads not to get stale. This will help you extend the reach of your advertising to keep the customer acquisition machine churning. And it's also a great way to get the most out of Facebook ads as a platform. And this is part of the thing to think about here. For a lot of e-com brands, what I really think they need to do is just commit to the idea that Facebook ads is going to be one of, if not the core strategy that they are using for customer acquisition. If that's the case, 
at least at some phase of your business. Then what I'm really advocating here is that you build the operational processes in your business as clearly as possible to connect to that growth strategy. Does that make sense? What I'm saying is, if you know you're going to use Facebook ads to acquire customers, why not build the rest of your processes operationally and on the supply chain and, and the product development side as much as possible, knowing that and then building those things straight into that same mechanism. That's what I'm saying. Connect all of those things up as much as you possibly can. Commit to it. Make it as good and firing on all cylinders processes possible. If you can do that, then you can get pretty far pretty fast before you have to do a whole lot else. But I hope you see the vision. I mean, this this today's episode came directly from looking at some businesses that I've been working with and thinking about kind of ways in which product development has mattered for them and how it's mattered in the ways that I'm talking about here. It's, I think in some ways obvious, but I also know that when I was operating a business, I just wasn't thinking about it this way. I was thinking almost entirely about launching products for past customers and not really about launching products for customers that I had not yet acquired and, and how to use those things together. So that's the idea today. I hope that's helpful to you. If it was, I would absolutely love it if you would rate and review and all those things and follow me on Twitter. The rating and the review really do help, by the way. I blow through that because I say it every time. But if you have a minute to rate and review the show, it really does help. And then secondly, like I said, I would love if you would follow me on Twitter, interact. Let me know what you think I got right, what you think I got wrong. You could also email me at podcast at ajfgrowth.com. And if you want to work with me in some way, one of my favorite things that I've been doing recently is just been doing some coaching, straight up hourly coaching. I've got I've had clients where we just look through their ad accounts together. I have one agency client where we just he just brings me hard accounts that are struggling and we just talk about them and he's found that valuable so far. I love that kind of work. So I tend to stay away from sort of hard pitching on this, but it's been really fun work recently and I would love to work with you. I have a little bit more space in my schedule, not much, but a little bit more space in my schedule if you're interested in working with me in that sort of more direct capacity. Even if you just want to take a meeting and talk through your business, I would love to do that. So reach out to me. All that stuff is at ajfgrowth.com. Thanks so much for listening. I will talk to you next time. Hey!